When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Lord of the Rings Lorecast, the show that explores the background of Tolkien's amazing world from the very beginning. I want you to picture in your mind fire under a starlit sky and you and your family everybody you know are gathered around this fire and you are telling stories you are elves talking about the origin of everything you are sharing the story of creation the Ainu Lindale, the music of the Ainur, the story of Eru, the one, the one who is alone, the Iluvatar, the father of all, and how he created everything. And even that isn't quite accurate because he didn't really create everything he created the Ainur and they were the ones who created everything he gifted them with a vision and with music and with an idea he was more of the the writer of the song the visionary and the gifter of the flame imperishable. Tolkien was the kind of writer who chose each of his words specifically. You did not edit Tolkien's words. He was a philologist, somebody who studied the origins of words and language. Each individual word was chosen for its specific meaning and because he needed it to be there for a very specific reason. If you haven't read the Silmarillion, which at times can read like the Old Testament, there are passages here that need to be experienced. So here we go. There was Aru, the one, who in Arda is called Iluvatar. And he made first the Ainur, the holy ones, that were the offspring of his thought. And they were with him before aught else was made. And he spoke to them, propounding to them themes of music. And they sang before him, and he was glad. But for a long while they sang only each 
alone, or but few together, while the rest hearkened, for each comprehended only that part of the mind of Oluvatar from which he came. And in the understanding of their brethren, they grew but slowly. Yet ever as they listened, they came to deeper understanding and increased in unison and harmony. And it came to pass that Iluvatar called together all the Ainur and declared to them a mighty theme, unfolding to them things greater and more wonderful than he had yet revealed. And the glory of its beginning and the splendor of its end amazed the Ainur, so that they bowed before Iluvatar and were silent. Then Iluvatar said to them, Of the theme that I have declared to you, I will now that ye make in harmony together a great music. And since I have kindled you with the flame imperishable, ye shall show forth your powers in adorning this theme, each with his own thoughts and devices, if he will. But I will sit and hearken and be glad that through you great beauty has been wakened into song. Let's dig into it. So first of all, I mentioned earlier, Aru means the one. It also means he alone. Iluvatar, the father of all, just know that these are elven words, that this story, all of the understanding of all of this comes from the elven perspective. These are stories by elves about what they understand about the creation of the world. This is from a perspective. This is not an objective view. This is a perspective from the elves. That's definitely something that Tolkien understood, is that every piece of writing comes from an author. It comes from a perspective. Uh, And this shows up in, in the other books as well. So, for example, The Hobbit, There and Back Again, is written by Bilbo. It's Bilbo's perspective on the story and his version of the events. It is not an objective telling of the story because you can't ever get an objective version of any event. Everything is seen through a lens. This story is seen through the lens of the elves. And so that's why we're getting this version and these names is because it's from the elves. And who else but the elves to tell the story? And we'll, we'll get into why that is on a future episode. So first of all, Eru or the Iluvatar, oftentimes these two names are used together. That creator is transcendent. And that means that they are beyond the creation. They stand outside of the creation, outside of time. They are reaching into time and into that creation at on occasion, but they are beyond it. And this is a a theme that occurs throughout the works. It's also a theme that occurs in many other religious works as well. Christianity, other faiths. It's something that Tolkien was aware of. So he made the holy ones, the Einar, that were the offspring of his thought. So the Iluvatar had some ideas 
And these individual ideas sprung into being as the Ainur. These are, think of these as like demigods or individual spirits based on aspects of the Iluvatar. And each of these aspects took on personalities based on aspects of, of the father. And we'll get into each of these individual spirits on a future episode because I want to dig into each of them and explain why each of them is unique and their place in the world. But the thing here that I want to focus on is the fact that he spoke to them. They sprung into being. He spoke to them, propounded to them themes of music, and they sang. So he, they didn't speak back. He was like a conductor and they performed. They knew nothing about speech. They knew nothing about communication. They only knew function. And that's also something to be aware of here. They were not communicators. They were not co-equals. In fact, they barely even knew how to communicate with each other. They only knew function. That's it from the very beginning. So think of it like this. If there was a part of his thought that had anything to do with building, building things, creating things, which is obviously an aspect of who he was, then that piece of his thought turned into a spirit that had something to do with building. And that building part of him turned into singing, acting in some way about building. And when he gave it a theme of music, it responded in song, just like the other pieces. And there's something beautiful about this, this idea of coming together in music and that each of these pieces of music sang forth together. And as this passage moves forward, it talks about how each of these Einer acted as if they were part of a choir or a individual instrument in an orchestra. Imagine different horns, different stringed instruments, and all of these individual instruments working in harmony. And at first, they only really interacted with him. He would give them a theme. And then they would sing back and he'd give them a theme and they'd sing back and then they would start to notice each other and they'd kind of sing together. And the more they would do this, they started to understand each other and they started to communicate in song and in harmony with each other. And this started to grow. And then he's, he reaches out to all of them and he says, okay, now that I've gotten you all together, you all start to notice each other. You've all started to grow. You can work together in harmony. I, I've kind of built the band. Everybody has your part. Everybody has your, your musical instrument. You all realize each other exist. I've fully formed the thoughts and taking you, taking you out of my mind. Basically it formed you out of my head. I'm going to let you know what I'm doing here. I've created this great music, and it is capitalized in the Silmarillion. This is a capitalized word. Great and music, words, I guess. Great music. And also is capitalized in the sentence after this. And since I have kindled you with 
the Flame Imperishable. Now, what exactly the Flame Imperishable is, is never detailed. But it seems to be a direct connection to something like a soul, immortality, spirit, will. I think we can relate it to all of those kinds of concepts. An unending energy deposited in the children, the creations of the Iluvatar, to act and do the things that the Iluvatar has given them life to do. And so, therefore, here's my vision. Here is the great music. Now go do and go create this music. And the story goes on. They each play the parts and they begin creating this music. And they all have their different personalities, all different personalities that come out in different tones and different voices, trumpets and harps and lutes, violins and organs, all these different sounds. And it is beautiful. It is the most amazing sound to have ever existed. And I guess you could say it's the only thing to have ever existed, but it is a great music. The Iluvatar's creation. And the thing is here that the Iluvatar has created many, many different Ainur, including the greatest of all of these named Melkor. Now, Melkor is like many of the other Ainur, but is like all of them kind of put together. If each of the Ainur individually have kind of singular aspects of the Iluvatar's mind, Melkor has like multiple pieces. He's kind of the firstborn child who's like a really good representation of the father. And he wants everybody to know that he's the best. He needs everyone to know that he's the best. And he has a creative spirit in him. So while all the other Ainur are practicing their parts, are playing their parts, Melkor is trying to make his part even greater. And there's a concept here we haven't talked about yet. There's the void. There's the part of creation that is empty. And these are things that are hard to picture because there isn't really a world yet. There isn't really Middle Earth or Arda. These are these are other words that we're going to talk about. Arda is kind of creation. Creation hasn't been created yet. There's just the Iluvatar, who exists outside of the world, and there's the Ainur, who have been brought into being. And it's described that Melkor goes into the void to seek the flame imperishable. And the sense here is that he's looking for more energy. He's looking for more inspiration, for more power in order to make himself even greater, in order to increase his part of the music but he comes back without really finding much at all because the imperishable flame is with the Iluvatar it's not out in the void it's with his father that's where it is so he comes back to the music and the music is going 
Then he gets another idea. Well, what if I just change my part? What if I start making up my own melodies? And what if I convince some of these other Ainur to go along with me? And he's actually successful. He does it very confidently. He has a lot of power. He's very good at what he does. And a number of them go along with him. But his melody conflicts with the overall theme. And I'm just going to read this passage here because this part is written so well. Because it is like a conductor. Quote, Then Uluvatar arose, and the Einar perceived that he smiled. And he lifted up his left hand, and a new theme began amid the storm, like and yet unlike to the former theme. And it gathered power and had new beauty. But the discord of Melkor rose in uproar and contended with it. And again, there was a war of sound more violent than before, until many of the Einar were dismayed and sang no longer. And Melkor had the mastery. Then again, Iluvatar arose, and the Einar perceived that his countenance was stern, and he lifted up his right hand. And behold, a third theme grew amid the confusion. And it was unlike the others, for it seemed at first soft and sweet, a mere rippling of gentle sounds in delicate melodies, but it could not be quenched, and it took to itself power and profundity. And it seemed at last that there were two musics progressing at one time before the seat of Iluvatar, and they were utterly at variance. The one was deep and wide and beautiful, but slow and blended with an immeasurable sorrow from which its beauty chiefly came. The other had now achieved a unity of its own, but it was loud and vain and endlessly repeated, and it had little harmony, but rather a clamorous unison as of many trumpets braying upon a few notes. And it essayed to drown the other music by the violence of its voice. But it seemed that its most triumphant notes were taken by the other and woven into its own solemn pattern. In the midst of this strife, whereat the halls of Iluvatar shook, and a tremor ran out into the silences yet unmoved, Iluvatar arose a third time, and his face was terrible to behold. Then he raised up both his hands, and in one accord, deeper than the abyss, higher than the firmament, piercing as the light of the eye of Iluvatar, the music ceased. Then Iluvatar spoke, and he said, Mighty are the Einur. The mightiest among them is Melkor, but that he may know, and all the Ainur, that I am Iluvatar. Those things that yet have sung, I will sow them forth, that ye may see what ye have done. And thou, Melkor, shalt see 
that no theme may be played that hath not its uttermost source in me, nor can any alter the music in my despite. For he that attempteth this shall prove but mine instrument in the devising of things more wonderful, which he himself hath not imagined. So you might be wondering, what does all this music talk have to do with Middle Earth and the creation of the world? Because we've been talking about the void, outside the void, these spirits. Well, the Iluvatar decides to reveal to them the entire picture. This great music that he has created is a picture of creation. It is Arda, the world. And he reveals to them the future history of everything. But more specifically, it's not a complete picture, but more of a foreshadowing. And they are awed by this. And he gives them the choice, free will, to go into this world and to play their parts. To let them be the instruments of his design in Arda. And many of them take him up on the offer. And some don't. And of course, Melkor does too. And this is the beginning of everything. Creation created. The beginning of the world. As the elves know it. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. This is the middle break of the show, and I just wanted to take some time to thank you for tuning in. First of all, this is a uh, kind of a uh, a big project for me. I mean, really, it's kind of a dream project. It's it's <laughs> in a lot of ways something that my life has been leading up to, which sounds very extreme, but. Uh, I'll explain some of this going forward. I don't want to take too much of your time here in the middle of the show, but I, I wanted to explain a little bit about who I am, why I started this, this show and give you some background into what I'm doing and what you can expect going forward. I hope you've enjoyed the show so far. I wanted to kind of give you the content at the beginning and then give you an explanation about what's going on here in the middle and who I am. So first of all, if you've never tuned into a robots radio show before or one of my lore casts, hi, 
Welcome to the show. I'm Tom. I go by the name Robots on the Internet. I've done a number of these lore casts before, mostly about video game worlds and role playing games, things like Fallout and Elder Scrolls, uh, Cyberpunk and The Witcher, things like that. I'm still doing a lot of those shows, so you're welcome to tune into those. You can check out all the different shows at robotsradio.net. I also run a uh, podcast network. <laughs> That's one of the things I do. I've turned doing these kinds of shows into a full-time career over the last three plus years now and have decided, you know what? I love the Lord of the Rings. That's part part of why I love playing these role-playing games and these fantasy worlds and these kinds of things. And it's been a love of mine since my father introduced me to the world of the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit when I was a kid. And it's it's been a core of my my interests and all sorts of things for such a long time. I'm the kind of person who when I was a kid, I, I hated reading. I didn't like reading in elementary school. I remember being in fifth grade and getting done with my work early and they were like, hey, you can go read a book. And I was like, oh, God, I'm going to read a, one of these little kid books. And I, I just I always felt like books were the kinds of books you could read in elementary school were were for kids. Like they, they didn't ever feel like they were for me. They felt like they were talking down to me until I picked up the Hobbit because my dad was like, have you tried the Hobbit? And then I felt like, wow, this is something different. And it blew my mind <laughs> as, you know, I don't know what nine, 10 year old me. And then I was just my my world opened up right and then i read through the lord of the rings in middle school and then i was the kind of person who every time in high school and in college i had the opportunity to write an essay or opportunity had had to write an essay for you know an english class or something like that i tried to figure out a reason to write about the lord of the rings or a, you know tolkien or, or something like this um and so that's just kind of the kind of person I was. I'm, I'm the kind of person who in college, while majoring in religious studies and philosophy, because I got two degrees in those two, I have two bachelor's degrees in those for who knows what reason. Uh, I guess I just didn't want to ever get a real job or be employable. Um, I, in my spare time was reading the, you know, those extra books that Christopher Tolkien put out about like, all the extra documents he poured through in order to edit the Silmarillion. Those were what I was reading in my free time because I didn't have enough other stuff to be reading about. Yeah, I'm that guy. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah, so this project is a long time coming. Uh, so where am I going to go with this project and what's going on with it? This is going to be a series that, Obviously, there's only so much content out there. Most of the other shows I do are ongoing. They're constantly making new games and updating the games and the worlds are growing and those kinds of things. With the Lord of the Rings and the Silmarillion, the, the content is already out there. There's only so much to say about it. So I'm anticipating that I will get through this content in, I don't know, 40, 50 episodes or something like that. And each of these episodes will probably vary in length depending on the focus of each of the topics. So it's going to be kind of an atypical series. It'll probably be limited in scope and hopefully I get through all of it and a certain amount of time. I'm thinking that I can probably knock out an episode once a week, once every other week and kind of keep things just going. So if you subscribe to this on your podcatcher, then that would be awesome. 
new episodes will be up. If you're listening to this live as I make them, then that's great. If you're coming to this later on and everything's already out there, congratulations. You've got a lot of stuff to listen to. Um, the <laughs> Also, obviously, this is a career for me, so I have to make some money in order to do it. So there's going to be ads. So I appreciate it if you check out the ads. Um, but there will also be the ability to monetize this through support from you guys. So I'm going to create a Patreon in order for you guys to do two things. One, you can support the Patreon while this is ongoing through creation in order to get episodes early and also get ad-free episodes. But two, if you're coming to the show later and want and I would recommend signing up if you if you're enjoying this episode, you're going to think that you're going to want to get all the episodes. Go ahead and sign up as soon as you can in order to get the entire catalog of stuff as soon as you think, oh, I'm going to definitely listen to all of these if that's something you want to do in order to get all the ad free episodes. You'll get an RSS feed that you can tie directly into whatever podcatcher that you're listening on. I believe it works with Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all that stuff. You just kind of choose the RSS feed and and you'll just get all the episodes. It'll just show up in a list and then you can listen to everything without ads. And I'm also going to be adding in bonus content for each of the episodes. So that means like extra episodes. So double the number of episodes. So for every regular episode I put out there that details the basic lore I'm going to be doing a bonus episode that goes into greater detail and some of my thoughts. So extra detail around some of Tolkien's commentary on the things that he wrote or some of my perspective on some of the religious underpinnings of some of the stuff or some of the historical context of some of the the literature or uh, parallels between this literature and other literature in mythology. And in order to just give you a sense of what that's going to be like, this episode, after this part is done, the whole second half of this episode is going to be the kind of thing that I would add on as a bonus episode on Patreon to give you a sense of what that would be like. So extra bonus content in the first episode. So congratulations, free stuff. So let's sum this up. If you want to get just all the lore, all the mythology that Tolkien wrote about the world, about the Lord of the Rings history and mythology, all of that stuff is going to be available. You're not going to miss out on any of that stuff. You don't have to pay for it. It's all available on the feed. If you want any of the extra bonus stuff beyond that, then you can get that on the Patreon. So check that out. It's going to be on patreon.com slash L-O-T-R Lorecast, Lord of the Rings Lorecast. Easy to get to. That's going to be available for everybody. So that's what I'm doing. And I hope you guys are loving the show. Oh, and just a reminder, if you do like the show, please take some time to go drop a review on Apple Podcasts, five stars and a, uh, a quick little message about what you like about the show would really absolutely help. It really does make a big difference. And also Spotify, you can leave a five star review on Spotify now, and that'll help as well. Both of those things really do help or tell your friends. Word of mouth makes a huge difference. All right, let's get on with the rest of the episode. This is the extra content that you would you would actually get if you were a patron. So here we go. 
So, uh, I have some thoughts about some of the symbology here. And there are a few different things that people have brought up over the years. And even during Tolkien's lifetime, when he was going over these writings. And there's there's a lot to discuss with this stuff. And typically with this show, I'm going to try to keep the beginning section to in the content. I want to be in the content, in the world, in the lore as much as I can. And then on this bonus content on the second half here, and then in the extra content that I'm going to put on the Patreon, I want to get a little bit more meta. I want to bring us a little bit, I don't know, uh, zoomed out. I want to focus kind of on the content itself, on the writing of the content, and talk a little bit more about that. But first of all, there's definitely Christian motif stuff going on here, right? You've got the Iluvatar, this uh, transcendental god that's creating everything. That's definitely very Christian. Tolkien was known to be a, a Christian. Like, that's not a question at all. His relationship with C.S. Lewis is well documented. C.S. Lewis is very much a Christian author. They, um, C.S. Lewis often accounts much of his uh, coming to Christianity on his relationship with J.R.R. Tolkien. They were both part of uh, the Inklings, which was a group of authors who got together. Uh, they were both professors at Oxford, and they would get together and write and you know critique each other's writings and those kinds of things. Tolkien was known for being uh, very against allegory in writings and would kind of call C.S. Lewis out about this a lot. You know, Aslan in C.S. Lewis's writings being allegorical for being Jesus was something that Tolkien was very mm, critical about. He was like, it's kind of on the nose, don't you think? Um, but the Iluvatar, you know, kind of kind of just a, you know, a God character here, kind of allegorical if you think about it. But Tolkien did it anyway. And I think that there's something there in Tolkien's understanding of God, this, the limitations of that concept that is so universal that to have a world that doesn't have a transcendental creator is just not something that he was willing to create. And that transcendental creator in a lot of this, and this, these are themes that you're going to see throughout much of his works shows up time and time again. And it's interesting because the hand of the Iluvatar is something that returns often. And it's alluded to here in the very beginning of the work, right at the start, this idea that no matter what Melkor does, the Iluvatar is able to very easily just slightly adjust the melodies and the harmonies in the music in order to compensate. He just makes the slightest adjustments and in some cases works in like the initial things that Melkor does to, to try to take over the song. He actually incorporates it. It's like the sabotage that Melkor makes. He just takes and makes it part of the song in order to, to make it an even better and more interesting piece. And the analogy here is that eventually 
spoilers, the song becomes the world. And Melkor goes into the world, and we're going to talk about this on the next episode, but Melkor goes into the world and starts messing with the world. And it's all within the Iluvatar's plans. These are not things that the Iluvatar didn't foresee. And he equips the other Ainur with the ability to compensate for the things that Melkor does. The other thing here is that there's a line that is particularly profound and it has always hit me on a very personal level. And I think that that there's something here that's, I don't know if it's objectively profound or if it's something I find subjectively profound because of my own situation in life. And maybe this will resonate with some of you as well. This line right here. Quote, the one was deep and wide and beautiful, describing the Iluvatar's final uh, theme. That's what the word that they use here. The one was deep and wide and beautiful, but slow and blended with an immeasurable sorrow from which its beauty chiefly came. End quote. And this is a theme that Tolkien goes back to time and time again. And I think that this must be tied to his service in the First World War, to the terrible things that he saw happen to his countrymen, to the things that he couldn't explain, to the terrors and the chaos of dealing with just trying to understand why something so terrible could happen for seemingly no reason at all. Sorrow. And yet beauty can come from sorrow. And I, I can relate to this on some level. I haven't served in war, but I've been through my own hardships and maybe I'll share more of those on future episodes. And if you've listened to other content that I've talked about, you know that I've been through some things. I've shared some of that stuff. I've for most of my life, since I guess my hormones started changing as a teenager, have dealt with depression, um, chemically like brain induced depression, not like something terrible happened in my life. And I was depressed like actual need medicine have to deal with it. Depression. And yet there's something beautiful about sorrow. Something about that resonates with me. Like I get that. And Tolkien got this as well. You see this theme show up in many of the stories. Turin, Baron and Luthien. The Lord of the Rings. The sadness that happens in these stories is beautiful. There's something that's beautiful about this sadness. And it's not that all sadness is beautiful. It's that sometimes there can be beauty in sadness because of the things that that sadness brings about with it. 
And we're going to explore this theme further as we get deeper into these stories and the world that Tolkien has created. And I think that this theme here might be one of the most important themes that Tolkien hits on in his world and in his writings. I think that there's something here that resonates with so many people on a level that they may not even understand. Yes, we love Tolkien's work because he created fantasy worlds for us to escape in. And he created amazing stories about magic and fantasy characters and men and elves and dwarves and monsters and amazing, crazy battles and like these kinds of things. And, and his work has inspired so many other creators to create and sub create the sub creations. That's another theme here. The creator creating sub creators and us being sub creators in the sub in this creation. Like these are all themes that are contained in this work. And these are things that Tolkien believed in himself, that he himself was a sub creator in the creator's creation. Like these are themes, like these are things that he saw in himself through his own version of Christianity, the thing that he believed in for himself. But I think that there's something about this sorrow and the beauty in sorrow that so many of us can relate to, especially in this postmodern world where so much of the time the sorrow seems meaningless. And then maybe we can find meaning in it. Or maybe there's hope for meaning in it. The hope. Think about the Lord of the Rings. The hope that in the end, all of that sorrow isn't for nothing. That there's a reason in the end. And that's the beginning of the story. That's, that's where this all starts. The Iluvatar tells them right from the beginning that although Melkor is sowing his own clamorous discord, that in the end, his theme will win out. And that is a very Christian notion. And he sows it right in. Tolkien sows that theme right in from the beginning in his own work. Right here. And that leads me to my final, my, my final allegory, my, I guess, my final theory here. And it's not one that I've heard a lot of people bring up, but I'm sure somebody has. And I don't think that this was something that Tolkien did consciously. I don't think that this is something that he put in here on purpose. But who's to say... That the Iluvatar, the father of all, the one who stands alone, is not Tolkien himself. He himself is transcendental from his creation. He himself created this world alone. All of the children of his mind came forth and sang together in time and those pieces as he made them over time 
eventually understood each other and arranged themselves and created something together. And I guess in the end, Christopher Tolkien helped finish the work for him. So he wasn't ultimately alone. But then again, maybe Christopher Tolkien was like one of the Ainur or the powers that helped sing the song. And maybe in some ways the rest of us are too. So it's just something to chew on. Maybe we're all just continuing to tell the story. Peter Jackson could be one of those as well. And who knows, maybe some of the creators of the the TV show that's going to come out in the fall. We'll have to see. I know there's a lot of debate about that, but we'll have to see. And maybe I'll uh, talk about that series when that comes out. Maybe that this show will continue doing some one-off episodes when we'll have some TV episodes to talk about once we get through all the content that I want to get through. So we'll see how that stuff goes. I hope you guys have enjoyed this episode. I hope to have new episodes out every week or every other week at the latest. So stay tuned for that. And please make sure to subscribe to the show. Please share it with your friends. And thank you for being here. I'll talk to you guys soon. And until then, keep singing the songs of Middle Earth. See you guys later. Thanks for listening to the Lord of the Rings Lorecast. If you'd like to learn more about other fantasy worlds, check out my other podcasts, the Elder Scrolls Lorecast, the Witcher Lorecast, and more at robotsradio.net. If you'd like to reach out, I'd love to hear from you. Send me a note on Twitter at robots underscore radio or join our amazing community on the Robots Radio Discord. There are links in the show notes or just search Robots Radio Discord or find the link on robotsradio.net. I'll see you next time. Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.